Vacation Bible School. That was last year's Spark Studio. This year it's twists and turns, and it's going to be a great week. And I want to encourage you to continue to pray, pray, pray. We've been praying for several weeks, one prayer at one o'clock for this one thing. Lord, begin drawing children and families to yourself through Vacation Bible School, Twists and Turns. And I want to invite you to continue to pray that today and every day this week. Pray for the leaders. We're going to commission them at the, uh, commission our uh, VBS leaders and volunteers uh, uh, toward the end of this message. So you be ready. If you are here and you are serving in Vacation Bible School in any capacity, uh, there's going to be a point where I'm going to ask all of you to come down here to the front. Okay, so just get ready. Not yet. I know some of you in the balcony already started to move. Don't move yet. But I'm going to invite you all all to come so we can commission our missionaries at Twists and Turns. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6. We're looking at the mission that Jesus has given the church, that uh, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. The mission was prior to the church. God raised up the church to fulfill the mission. What gets wrong-headed in church life is when we forget the very thing for which we were created. We were not created so that we could have fun together and communicate together and, and uh, you know, play parcheesi. I don't even know what parcheesi is. We, didn't, we, we were not created so that we could play uh, 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 dominoes or uh, some of you younger guys, poker. If you're an old line Baptist like me... You only played poker when nobody was looking. Uh, I'm just kidding. Not actually, no, not kidding. That's true. But anyway, uh, we were not created so that we could just uh, exist for ourselves. God created the church because there was a mission to fulfill. That's why he created the church. That's why in Acts 1-8, he gave the church power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you so that the church might be witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus has a mission to fulfill, and he started the church to fulfill that mission. We see that happening in Mark chapter 6. We saw it uh, as we looked in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, where Jesus called the disciples to himself and then sent them out two by two uh, to uh, preach the kingdom of God and call people to repentance. And, and it was the mission of Jesus, and then the church embraces the mission of Jesus and does what Jesus did. In the same way, we're looking in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44, and we're looking at the compassion side of this mission. Um, we know what compassion is. You know it when you feel it. If you don't feel it, like me, you pray that God will give it to you. Please understand. Compassion is something I've been praying for God to continually awaken in my heart. Um, I know, I know that when it comes to my compassion quotient, I'm low, but I'm better than I used to be. And that's an act of God's grace, right? Um, we need the compassion of Christ to awaken in our hearts. Because that's what we see in this passage. All right? Compassion is something up here, uh, and I've used this before, but just uh, it works. A dad 
had his third grade daughter come to him one afternoon after dinner. And she looked at her daddy and she said with an earnest voice and an earnest question, Daddy, am I pretty? And the daddy who'd played this game before, he understood that there was something more to the question. He said, darling, you are beautiful. Yes, you're pretty. But why are you asking me that? And the little girl's face just went down falling. She looked down and she said, because the boys in my class were making a list of the pretty girls and my name wasn't on it. Did you... Did you feel the compassion? Don't you want to take that little girl and just hold her in her arms and say, Honey, you are the most beautiful thing in the world. It's not enough just to ooh and to ah and to feel. You want to do something about it. And by the way, if that doesn't awaken compassion in your heart, there's something wrong with you. You, you, you need God to do a work of grace in you. This past week, we saw that there were some people in a a submersible submarine, right? My my not third grade daughter was telling me what that was. Thank you. Helping me. She's helping me. Uh, The Titan. And uh, we know the story. Tragically, they were killed. Regardless of what you think, about them being in that submersible vehicle. Do you realize there were people who were saying ugly things, making fun? These are people who have died, tragically. And we're making fun of them. We're trying to make political statements. We're using it for whatever reason, and we think that's okay? No, 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 no. Not if you're a follower of Jesus. See, the mission that Jesus gives us is a mission of compassion. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're connected to Jesus, then you are going to follow him on mission. That means that you're going to, you're going to live the way he lived to do what he did in the way that he did it. In Mark chapter 6, we see Jesus expresses his compassion. And you, you just catch up to the story in Mark chapter 6, and we'll begin in verse 30. It says, uh, the apostles gathered to Jesus, told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. If you remember verses 1 through 13, Jesus sent the disciples out on mission, and now finally in verse 30, they come back and they tell him all that they taught and, uh, and, and, and what they had done. Verse 31, so Jesus said, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. There were many coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. Verse 33, but, in, uh, but the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew Jesus, and so they ran on foot from all the cities, and they arrived before them and came together to him. Verse 34, and Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude He was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. Stop there. Now, here's here's what a couple of things before we get to the meat of it. First, uh, people are searching for Jesus. They're craving Jesus. They're hungry 
for Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the leader who was giving them hope. Jesus was the one who promised to rescue them from despair. They were looking at Jesus and they saw, could this be the one who answers the quest of my hungry heart? Is this the one who can fulfill the, the, the yearning of my soul? Could this be the one? And so, man, they chased after Jesus. Jesus and his disciples, get the pictures, they get in a boat. And they're on the Sea of Galilee, and they don't, they're, they're within sight of the shore, but they're going along the shoreline. They're trying to get to a, a deserted place. Now, imagine the scene. The boat is, is just off the coast, and it's going, going down the, the shoreline, and this crowd of people are scrambling down and up rocks and ledges and through the sand and the surf, and they're watching the boat, and they're chasing after the boat on the shore, waiting for it to make land so that then they could see Jesus again. Man, they were hungry for Jesus. People are still hungry for Jesus. People are still hungry for Jesus. Now, they might not know how to name it. They might be looking in other circles and other places to try to find satisfaction for their soul. They're, they're looking in other places to find hope for their weary heart. They're looking in other places maybe, but it's Jesus they need because we believe, do we not? We believe that the only hope for a hurting heart, the only help for a, a lost uh, for a person who is empty on the inside and incomplete, the only hope, the only help, his name is Jesus. But if you come to Jesus, if you come to him by faith, if you believe in the good news of the kingdom that Jesus came to die for sin, to be raised from the dead so that we might find forgiveness of our sin, so that we might find new life through faith in Jesus Christ and be made fit for the family of God. If you have tasted it, you know what I'm talking about, and we believe what he has done for us, he can do for others. He is the answer. Now, we believe that. If you've tasted it, you know. You believe it, I believe it, right? Guys, the reason we do twists and turns is because we believe Jesus is the answer. It's not because we're trying to find something to do during the summer. We're not just trying to spin our wheels for three hours a day, Monday through Friday, just so we can. We're doing Vacation Bible School twists and turns because we really do believe, we really do believe that if we can introduce Jesus to these children and their families, it will change the trajectory of their eternity. It will set a new course for their families. Because we believe that if you get to Jesus, he is the leader who delivers hope. He is, he is like Moses, but he's greater than Moses. He's like Elijah, but he's greater than Elijah. He is the greatest leader, and he fulfills his promise. He's not like the politicians of our current day who make grand promises of hope, but deliver nothing but salt or sand. Jesus is the one who provides sustenance for the soul, new life for the heart. He fills the empty places of our being, and he connects us with the living God. We believe. We believe. And people are still searching for Jesus. They might not name him Jesus, but that's who they're searching for. But here's the good news. Right, so, so people are looking for Jesus. People are searching for Jesus. Even today, people are searching for Jesus. Oh, by the way, I was looking at, do you know in the 16th century, Elizabeth I 
had a prime minister or a counselor kind of dude who gave her wisdom, you know, was her counselor. And he had gotten this mirror from the Aztecs in Mexico. Cortez had gone and found the mirror, brought it back to England. And this minister, this counselor, was looking in this, this, this mirror made of obsidian, Volcanic rock polished really big. I don't know if that's, is that obsidian? Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Uh, So this minister would look in this this, uh, mirror and consult the divines. And so it's nothing new what we see today in our culture, right? I mean, people looking for answers and people trying to find satisfaction, looking in these mirrors that they think can give them satisfaction and hope. And, and yet we, we know, we believe, whatever name it is, they're looking for Jesus. Jesus is the answer. All right. So here's the good news. Not only are people searching for Jesus, but Jesus has compassion for people that will change their lives. Not just back then, but here and now today. Jesus has compassion that can change a life. Change your life, change my life. It has. It's changed me. Has it changed you? 634, Mark 634, Jesus looked on the crowd and he had compassion for them. For they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were looking for a leader to bring them hope, to deliver them from, uh, from their despair, to give them an answer to the searching of their soul. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus looked at them and he had compassion on them. He felt for them. He saw them. You know, in today's culture, you, you, and, and again, I don't know if you know this, Maybe you don't have to have conversations like this, but, but I do. And talking with somebody, and they're, they're communicating with me something, and I say, well, I see what you're saying. Or maybe even more, I see you. You know, th- those are words, and, and whatever that triggers in your mind, forget all that. Just understand, that's what Jesus does. Jesus looks at you, he says, well, I see you. Oh, I, I, I see you. I see you deep down. I see you. I see you behind the smiles and the masks that cover your misery and, and, and the very hurt of your heart. I see you. I see you, and I'm going to help you if you'll let me. Oh my, oh, my, oh, my goodness. The God of creation has now made an offer of compassion to you and to me. He says, I see you. I know you, I understand you, and I will help you if you let me. Oh, I'm so glad I let Jesus help me. Aren't you? If you've tasted that wondrous grace, that glorious help, that, that, that answer for the, for the hurting heart, the, the satisfaction for the soul that comes when we receive the help of Jesus, and what is the help that he gives? Well, here he tells the truth. It, it says he had compassion. Verse 34 is the most interesting thing uh, because it's not how we usually define compassion. Look at 634, last phrase. He had compassion on them. And what did he do at first? What does it say? Next line. He, he began to <laughs> what, began to teach him a bunch. 
a lot. He, he began to teach them. In fact, what we see from verse 35 and 36 and 37 that he taught them for hours. Now, what was he teaching? Well, he was just telling them the truth. He was telling them the truth of here's how you get help. Here's how you get good news. Here's, here's what you need to do to get hold of the satisfaction for which you're searching. And we see the message back in Mark 1, 14 and 15. And you'll, you'll hear me always referring to Mark 1, 14 and 15. Mark 1, 14 and 15. After uh, John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, saying, the, ki- uh, the, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe on the gospel. Now, that was his message. Now, uh, he, he didn't just repeat that phrase over and over again. He, he showed the people uh, through Old Testament scripture and through divine revelation how that this nugget of truth that, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the, the time is fulfilled. Here it is. Repent, sin, believe, gospel. What is the gospel that Jesus has come to connect us to the living God? Jesus has come to forgive our sin and introduce us into the family of God. And Jesus has come to rescue us from our despair caused by separation from God. Jesus is our answer. He told them the truth. He didn't just tell them a bunch of feel-good stories. He didn't just say, oh, well, just, you know, believe in yourself. It'll be okay. He, di- he didn't say, well, just go along to get along. And Jesus said, hey, You've sinned against a holy God. You need to repent your sin. You need to believe that I'm the only way for you to be forgiven. Today, friends, you want satisfaction for your soul. You're not going to find it in an ancient mirror looking for uh, divines from the spiritual realm. You're only going to find satisfaction. We will only find satisfaction when we look into the face of our compassionate Savior, Jesus Christ, turn from our sin, trust in Him, and are rescued. Jesus tells the truth, and then he does more. He tells the truth, and then he meets the needs. Oh, my goodness gracious. Think about this. The hour is late. You just continue on in the story of verse 35. The hour is late. Disciples come to Jesus and said, look, you need to send these cats away. We're tired. You're tired. They're tired. They need to get some dinner. They need to go. They got to find some food. And Jesus said, well, you feed them. And they start objecting. <laughs> what? <laughs> don't, don't do that. And so Jesus said, well, find out what you got. A couple of loaves of bread, some fish. Put it in the hands of Jesus. He multiplied. He fed 5,000 people. Jesus was not content just to tell truth. He wanted to meet needs. This is the way Jesus has done ministry up to this point and beyond. What Jesus did, he saw a need and he met the need. When he encountered in Mark chapter 4, when he encountered the man who had been overwhelmed and overrun by uh, spiritual forces, Jesus didn't just leave him aside. Jesus, in compassion, chased away the demonic horde and made a broken man whole. When he encountered a woman who had been harangued by an illness for 12 years in Mark chapter 5, 
He didn't just ignore her, but rather he looked at her and he took that, that, that broken woman and made her well in compassion. In compassion, he met a dad who was about to lose his little girl to sickness. A grieving father coming to Jesus. And in compassion, Jesus faced death square in the face. And he chased it away. And he said, that little girl's not dead. Look, she's going to live. And he lifted her up and joy spread throughout the family. In compassion, Jesus looked at a woman in a well, a, a, a woman at a well in a a little town called Sychar in Samaria. And that woman who had led a checkered past, Jesus looked at her and said, I can make you well. And her life was changed. In compassion, Jesus looked at a tax collector whose name was Zacchaeus, who had been robbing people for years to line his own pockets. And Jesus stopped underneath a sycamore tree and looked up and said, Zacchaeus, Come down from there. We're going to spend the day together, and I'm going to change your life. I'm going to help you. And all the searching and longing that money couldn't buy for Zacchaeus, he found in Jesus that day. In compassion, Jesus sees you, and he sees me. And he offers to help us if we'll let him. Jesus has compassion and change your life, and it's changed my life. And I pray that it's changed your life. And if it's changed your life, what do you do about it now? See, it's not enough for us just, for us just to bask in the grace that God has given us. It's a good place to begin. It's not enough for us simply to soak in the satisfaction that we find in the family of God through faith in Jesus. It's a good place to be. But Jesus has planted us here so that we can do something. I mean, do something. And Jesus has rescued us so that he might send us to love people toward hope. And Jesus, right now, he's sending us to love people toward hope. His compassion planted in our heart, shown toward us now, comes alive in us toward other people. I'm, I'm just struck by this encounter with the disciples and Jesus. They say in verse uh, verse 35, it says that the hour, they were in a deserted place. The hour is already late. Verse 36, Jesus send these people away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages by themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. Verse 37, Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. And they freak out. What? We don't have $200,000 to pay for all the bread that's going to take to feed these people. But it doesn't change the mission. You give them something to eat. See, compassion for people, and it's a, it's, 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 it could be real compassion or it may be feigned compassion, where they say, well, you know, the people are tired. They need to have dinner. Jesus, let them go. They need to have, you preached a little too long today. They're hungry. Jesus, let them. You, I mean, that, that sounds like compassion. But they were, they were just trying to send them away. Jesus was like, okay, let's really have compassion. You feed them. You feed them. This is the mission of the church. This is your mission and mine. That we are to be the hands of Jesus. 
in a hurting world, and we're going we're gonna to do all that we can to help people if they'll let us. You feed them. What does it look like to feed people? Well, you feed people by telling them the truth, just like Jesus did. The compassion of Jesus tells people the truth. Uh, it's, it's giving them direction. It's, it's helping them with instruction, not just merely gaining and garnering doctrinal facts about God, but rather pointing them to Jesus and saying, hey, listen, you want a life that's satisfied? Go to Jesus. He'll satisfy your soul. It's telling them the truth. How do you get to Jesus? You repent your sin. You believe that Jesus is your only way to make you fit for God's family. Tell them the truth. You tell them the truth. That's how you feed them. But it's not just telling the truth. It's also helping in their need. I mean, it's coming off the pedestal of Christian uh, superiority, and it's getting down with people where they're in the muck and the mire of their own misery, and they're struggling in life, and they don't know what to do. And it's us getting off our pedestal and our platform and getting down where people are and saying, yes, let me help. I'm going to point you to Jesus. I'll help you if you let me. The disciples didn't have the resources to feed the people any more than we have the resources to do what God's calling us to do as a church. Now, make no mistake, God has blessed First Norfolk, and I'm thankful for how God has blessed us. But when God calls us to fulfill the mission, our first appointment is not with the finance team. We don't go first to the treasurer and say, how are we going to pay for this? No, the first step is to get down on our face before the living God and say, oh God, this is what you want us to do. Now, give us the resources to do it. See, we have a great finance team, and they hold us in balance, and they check, uh, and, and, and I've been like the disciples. I go to the treasurer first sometimes. Oh, I believe God wants us to, but can we, can we, really, can we really do this? And Jesus just giggles at our lack of faith. Jesus giggles at our own perceived poverty. He giggles at our pauper spirit. He says, what do you got? And he, they say, well, we got a couple of loaves of bread and we got some fish. And Jesus said, okay awesome. That's all we need. And he takes the bread and he takes the fish and he multiplies it and he feeds 5,000. Jesus takes the little that we have and multiplies it to accomplish the mission he's given us. The problem is so often we refuse to give him the little that we have. Today, friends, listen, God's calling us. God's calling us to tell people the truth and to help them in their need. And the question is, will you live the mission every third Saturday? Great, great, great examples. Every third Saturday of the month. First Norfolk missionaries go across the street into a parking lot right over there. They get there 7, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock if they're late. <laughs> but the thing, the thing doesn't start till 10 or 10.30. But by 8 o'clock... Their cars lined up, ready to receive help. They line up, and our missionaries who have packed bags and prepared, 
third Saturday of every month, they feed at least 100 families who are waiting for that food. They're helping meet a need, but they're doing more. They're helping meet a need and they're telling the truth. We have Gideons who are out there with Bibles, passing out Bibles. We have missionaries who are out there sharing the gospel, telling the truth of the gospel, that the only way, I'll give you bread for your, for your pantry, but you need bread for your soul. His name is Jesus. Here's the only hope that you can have. And since we started measuring this every third Saturday of the month, ever since we started measuring it, 25 people have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, church. That's First Norfolk on mission. We're meeting needs. We're changing lives by getting people to Jesus. We're the hands of Jesus to a hurting people. We're the voice of Jesus in the darkness of their soul. And the question is, are you living that mission? Compassion is more than feeling. It's not less than feeling, but it's so much more than feeling. Compassion is feeling that moves us to action, to tell the truth, and to meet the need. Are you living the mission?